Good morning, church. God is good. And all the time. Yes. Uh, hold on here. My notes are playing tricks on me. And uh, I want to tell you a story, though, a little quick story. I was on my way to uh, Loma Linda a couple weeks ago, and, and I uh, was getting off at Anderson, and uh, as I was coming to the stop at the red light there, I, uh, there's oftentimes a, a homeless person right there when you get off the freeway. And so I don't carry cash on me because I'm poor, <laughs> for one thing. Uh, but I also don't typically hand out cash. But if I have something, I will try to help. And so I was sitting there, and, and this gentleman had this sign, and I, I prayed about it. Lord, you know, well, can, I, can I do something to help this person? What, what can I do? And I, I don't have any money. I say, I don't have any food in the car. And then I remembered that I had a Subway gift card in my wallet. I thought, hey, you know, I can, I can give him that. And so I, I got up and I put my card out the window and I looked at him and he had a little bit of difficulty walking, but he kind of walked up to me and, and I said, here, there go. there's not a lot on it, but there's enough for a sandwich. And he's, he grabbed that thing and he goes, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> really? Are you serious? I said, yes, there's, it's on here. And he looked me right in the head and he goes, God is good all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, all the time, God is good. So God, I'm not sure if that was a homeless man or an angel. I'm not sure what that was about, but, but I was blessed. I never had anybody say that to me when I was helping him out in that way. And when he looked at me and said that, I just, I just laughed. I just said, God, you are, you are so funny. And, uh, but anyways, well, uh, we've taken a break from our series on the life you've always wanted with John Ortberg's book. And last week we talked about prayer, and, and for those of you who were here or heard the sermon, you, you heard about, you know, how we typically throw up a prayer, like the NFL, right? You, you know, Hail Mary, you throw it up there. And so it was fun to get, uh, get a text last week when the Chargers threw up a prayer in the last minute of the game and won, and they said, oh, your prayers worked, you know? I said, well, I don't know about that, because that's only one out of about 30 prayers I prayed for them. But uh, hey, it was in Casey against Casey, so I'll take it, all right? Anyways, I won't get preaching that sermon because uh, I, I can go there. Um, but I'm, I'm so grateful. This might sound weird, but I'm grateful for the Thanksgiving season. And I'm going to share with you just a little bit of my own sinfulness, I guess, uh, in that I'm becoming, I'm becoming a little bitter about how fast Christmas is trying to take over Thanksgiving. Now, not, not Christmas itself, because we all love the story of Christmas, but I, I'm, I'm just getting a little perturbed about how our, our retailers and so forth are determined to just steamroll over Thanksgiving. And so, you know, all these sales starting. I mean, I, I was in one city recently. This was, this was actually, I think, November 1st. And I got out of my car, and I walked into this downtown city, and all the Christmas decorations were up. And I just, I felt like, like bah humbug, you know? <laughs> I just felt like, shame on you, city of such and such, that you're putting up your Christmas trees and all of this so soon. We haven't even got to Thanksgiving. We're barely in November. And I'm becoming kind of legalistic about my Thanksgiving in that I don't like to hear Christmas music before Thanksgiving's over. 
I'm just kind of bah humbug, you know? I had a, I had a radio station on uh, streaming uh, with my phone, and it was playing a different mix. It was, it was a, supposed to be a Thanksgiving holiday mix. So I was curious, what kind of Thanksgiving songs are they going to play? And I don't even know what some of them were, but then they would throw in a Christmas song, and I'd go, no, <laughs> I'm not listening to a Christmas song on Thanksgiving Day. I will have none of that in my house. <laughs> and then... Last week, I was doing some planting in my front yard, and my neighbor across the street, I love them to death. They're a sweet family. But there he was, putting up his Christmas decorations across the street. And not just that, but he had Bing Crosby blasting. <laughs> and I heard all about the, you know, white Christmases, and I heard all of that stuff while I was planting, just going, you're stealing my Thanksgiving. I love you, but I'm a... And I try to run as far as I can from Black Friday, as much as I can. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong if you can get a deal. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I just, you know, I read an article in USA Today about, or interviewed a woman who was camping out in front of Best Buy. I think it was a week before. But then it gets better. It's, she says, we're going to start making this our Thanksgiving tradition. And we're going to camp all week before our family from generation to generation. Bah, humbug, I said. This is not good. I was driving in my car, listening to the song that we're going to do for the response song. My heart is filled with thankfulness. I'm listening to the song as I'm driving, and I came to a red light, and I stopped. And as soon as it turned green, I didn't even have a chance to put my foot on the gas. Honk, honk, you know, come on. i got to get to Walmart. Go faster. I know that's where they were going, because that's where I was going, and they followed me into Walmart. <laughs> And then when I got to Walmart and I purchased the product, I said to the lady, I go, have a great Thanksgiving. And she says, not so much. I said, why? She goes, I got to work on Thanksgiving. I said, well, that's not right. She goes, tell me about it. Wow. Well, I love Thanksgiving. For me, it's just a time to really remember what this life is all about. That our life is really meant, our whole entire life, 365 days a year, is meant to be a life of thankfulness especially as Christians, for what God has done for us. So as I was driving along, as I do, I, I noticed some signs in front of churches. I thought I'd share a few of these just because they're fun. And some of them are pretty profound. Uh, here's one. If you're not thankful, you must be a turkey, right? <laughs> this one. Be thankful for more than an elastic waistband. This one has some depth to it. Feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. God has two dwellings, one in heaven and the other in a meek and thankful heart. And this one I love. God welcomes even the biggest of turkeys. <laughs> right? God's grace is sufficient even for the biggest of turkeys. Uh, well, let me share just a few verses with you. We're not going to put these on the screen because I'm just going to read them quickly. But we read this one together as a church family. Let us enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. First Chronicles says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. We sang that as a church this morning. Wasn't that wonderful? 
Psalms 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And of course, Paul wrote, and some of us take great comfort in this verse, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And of course, there's 1 Thessalonians 5. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for us to give thanks in everything. But how do you do that? That seems kind of hard to do, especially if you're experiencing times of difficulty and trials and suffering and going through extreme difficult times in our life. But we can. What I want to suggest to us this morning is that we can do thankfulness, but God really wants us to be thankful. And I want to suggest to you this morning there's a difference between doing thankfulness and being thankful. And Mike, I appreciate you showing us a little bit of what doing thankfulness might look like this morning. But isn't it easy for us sometimes to do thankfulness, although it's challenging, but it's like, oh, I've got to remember, I've got to do this, I've got to do this to say thank you, I've got to do this. What if we just were thankful? What if it was part of who we are? What if it was our nature to just automatically be thankful? I believe that we can continue to grow as God's people in being thankful, not merely doing thankful year-round. I want to look at a passage this morning three verses from the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, there's what I like to refer to as a triptych of thankfulness. In art, there's what they call a triptych. It's where three pieces of canvas make one picture. And you might have seen it on some walls before, or there's some great uh, photographs that are put on canvas where they have three pieces of canvas. They're slightly separated, but together they make one whole picture. And so I want to suggest to you this morning, we have this triptych in Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17. Now, I've been marinating in these 17 verses for the last several months. It's one of these passages that I love to every morning when I wake up before I get out of bed. I just kind of go through these 17 verses in my head. When I go to bed and I'm going to fall asleep, I just marinate in these verses. When I'm driving and not paying attention to the road, I just marinate on these 17 verses. Whatever it is, I just like to just marinate. So as I was doing that, you know, when you do that, you begin to you begin to see things maybe you hadn't seen before. Things start to surface. And I never realized that there, were these, there was this triptych, if you will, of thankfulness in these three verses. And so I want to look at these this morning. In verse 15, Paul says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you see it there? The end of verse 15, be thankful. The end of verse 16, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. The end of verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And it appears when we look at these verses, which we're going to do, that Paul shows us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit how we can actually move from doing thankfulness to actually being thankfulness, to be thankful. And so Paul begins, let the peace of Christ rule 
in your hearts. Let me just stop there and just, let me just say that again. Because I don't know about you, but for me, when I read that or I, I think about it in my mind, just saying it and hearing it brings peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Isn't that beautiful? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let's just think about the peace of Christ. You know, one of the beautiful things of the gospel is that we get to have the peace of Christ. Do you remember these words that Jesus said in John 14? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Isn't it great that Jesus doesn't just give us peace, but he gives us his peace? Wow. We have the peace of Christ. One of my favorite verses, another one I like to marinate on a lot, is Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Isn't that amazing? He will keep us in perfect peace. And of course, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The peace of being guided and governed by the good shepherd. But not only do we have the peace of God, the peace of Christ, we also have peace with God. Romans 5, remember Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace of Christ includes us being made right with God. We have peace with God, and we also have the peace of God. Now, Pastor Genevieve shared with me a little story of something that took place a little while ago. And our youth group went to uh, do a corn maze over here at the pumpkin patch. And um, in the corn maze, evidently, you're not allowed to run. You must only walk. But apparently, (laughs) there's no sign. I'm not looking at the person who was doing that. Um, There's no sign that says don't run. But this individual was running through the corn maze, of course. He was a teenager, right? You run. You're, you're going. You're active. And, and, you, and you're, you're in this thing. Well, the guards in the corn maze pulled this individual out and said, you're out. You don't get to, you don't get to go in the corn maze anymore. Well, being a good advocate, Pastor Genevieve went and said, but we're a youth group, and, and they didn't know, and there's no signs posted. How can you, how can you throw somebody out when the rules aren't, aren't clearly there? And he said, youth group, huh? He says, what church do you belong to? <laughs> so being a wise woman, she said, Loma Linn University Church. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. She said, Calamasa Seventh-day Adventist Church. And the owner of the, organ, of the um, pumpkin patch of the corn maze said, Oh, Dr. Bob. I know Dr. Bob. Yeah. Okay, he can go back in the corn maze, right? But no more running. And so he got to go and run in the corn maze. But aren't you glad that we have an advocate, Jesus? 
that when Satan comes before God accusing us, he says, oh, no, no, he knows me. She knows me. They've been made right with me. And there isn't anything you can say to make them wrong with me. Because we have peace with God. Because we know Jesus. And Jesus is our advocate. And so we have peace with God. And we have peace of God. But this peace is to rule in our hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And this you, when it talks about you, it's not just talking personally, it's talking corporately. It's plural. So Paul is writing to the church and he says to all of us, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. As a people of God, let peace rule. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let Christ rule with the peace that he brings into your life. And that word rule is like to officiate and to govern. And so everything, every decision that's made, if there's a conflict in the church, Christ comes and officiates and he says, let my peace rule. Peace is to rule. If there are problems, if there's arguments, if there's strife, if there's unforgiveness, peace needs to rule. The peace of Christ is to rule and officiate how we function as a church family because we were all called to peace. And when that happens, we begin to be a people who are thankful because Christ's peace is ruling in our lives. See, this word be means continual action pointing to a habit of life. As we continue to let Christ's peace rule over us, we will continue to be a people who will be this, practicing this continual action that points to a habit of life of being thankful. It just happens. It becomes who we are. Notice where this rules. It rules in the heart. And the heart is the place where all of life is governed and that life comes out of. Remember, Jesus said it's not what unclean that goes into a man, it's what comes out of a man. And it's the cleanness of the peace of Christ ruling the heart that comes out in us. And we are thankful. One other word in this verse that I want to bring our attention to, it's actually in verse 16 as well. But it's a word that we can often overlook. As many of you know, my favorite, one of my favorite words in the Bible is which word? Good. All right. Most of you know that. I love that word because that, that word is often followed by what God does for us in spite of ourselves. This was happening. We were in sin, but God. We were headed to death, but God. This was happening, but. This word, let, is another one of my favorite words, let. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Church family, God has given us all the power to choose to let him rule or not. To let his peace govern our lives. We don't have to let it, or we can let it. Think of how many times Jesus gave that opportunity. Let not your heart be troubled. Our hearts don't have to be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Or the verse I read to you earlier, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world giveth do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Paul also referred and used this word, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Just let it be put away. Let your speech always be gracious. Finally, in Hebrews 13, let brotherly love continue. Let, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. In verse 16, Paul goes on. And he says, let, let the message of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the word of Christ, let the message, let the good news that Christ came to proclaim and lived and died and rose again for us, let it dwell among us richly. Let it dwell. Let it have control. Let it be everything that you say and do as we teach and admonish. We don't like that word admonish too much, do we? Some of us might even feel we have the gift of admonishment. Right? Oh, it's one of my spiritual gifts. I'm going to go tell that person what they need to change. Right? But notice that the teaching and the admonishment is all by people who are filled with the message of Christ. With the words of Christ. With the peace of Christ ruling in their hearts. And as they do this, as they live with Christ's word dwelling richly within them, they sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They sing some of the psalms that we know are songs. They sing hymns. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 is considered as a hymn that Paul used. Ephesians 1, there were these hymns, but then there were these spiritual songs, the choruses like we sing today, that the Spirit inspires people. I always remember a scholar from Fuller about 25 years ago, and he said, wherever there's a new movement of the Spirit, there's a new hymnology because the Spirit's moving. And you don't discount the one before it. You praise God for how he worked and moved, and you celebrate, but you continue to develop and to grow and to sing new songs from our hearts. And we sing with gratitude in our hearts to God. That word gratitude at the end of verse 16 is also the same word that's used for grace often. And so it's a people who have the grace of God filling their hearts. And as God's grace is filling their lives and hearts for everything that he has done and is doing, they are singing out of that grace. And this gratitude is coming out as they sing together. A while back, um, I heard Dr. Scott Nelson share uh, his story about being in Haiti. And he, one part of his story, he was talking about how he was doing surgery and, and there were people, they didn't have enough gurneys, they didn't have enough beds, all of these things. And they just had these like carts and, and tables that people were laying on waiting to get into surgery. All lined up down the hallways and so forth. And it was stressful. He was hardly getting any rest from day to day. And as he was there and, and beginning to work on another patient, there was this lady in the hallway and they were all in pain. They didn't have all the meds they needed to, to comfort people. And there, in the midst of all this pain and suffering, this Haitian woman began to sing out, How great thou art. How great thou art. And Scott said he just began to weep. And even as he told the story, he had to stop as the tears were starting to well up in his eyes and he couldn't really talk at the moment because of this woman's thankfulness to God in spite of probably losing family members. Who knows if she lost limbs? I don't know what happened with her. But there she was, a woman who had let the peace of Christ rule in her heart. 
a woman who obviously had let the message of Christ dwell richly within her. She sang her psalm, her hymn, her spiritual song with gratitude in her heart to God. And so Paul continues in verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I like it. One commentator said, this is the comprehensive whatever. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do everything in the spirit of our Lord Jesus. Do everything in the mission and in the character of the Lord Jesus. One scholar, Peter O'Brien, said this, the whole content of salvation revealed in Jesus is comprised in his name, Jesus. We do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as we do this, we give thanks to God the Father through him. You see, when Jesus' peace rules our heart, when his message dwells richly within us, when whatever we do in word or deed is done in his name and he is ruling over our lives, it changes everything. It changes our outlook. It changes how we do things. I got a kick out of this. I want to share with you some temporary rules that were posted at Britain's Richmond Golf Club after German bombs hit the course in 1940. It changed how they played the game. We're going to put the rules up here for you. First rule was players are asked to collect bomb and shrapnel splinters to save these causing damage to the mowing machines. Second rule, in competitions during gunfire or while bombs are falling, players may take cover without penalty for ceasing play. <laughs> Had a little impact on the game. Rule number three, the positions of known delayed action bombs are marked by red flags at a reasonably but not guaranteed safe distance therefrom. Number four, shrapnel and or bomb splinters on the fairways or in bunkers with a club's length of a ball may be moved without penalty and no penalty shall be incurred if a ball is thereby caused to move accidentally. Rule five, a ball moved by enemy action may be replaced or if lost or destroyed, a ball may be dropped not near the hole without penalty. I love that. A ball moved by enemy action. <laughs> a ball lying in a crater may be lifted and dropped not near the hole, preserving the line to the hole without penalty. And finally, rule number seven, a player whose stroke is affected by the simultaneous explosion of a bomb may play another ball from the same place. Penalty, one stroke. <laughs> Those are some hard rules. But it changed everything. And church, the cross and life of Jesus changes everything for us. Everything. It changes how we play the game. It changes how we are thankful. Because when we allow the gospel of Jesus, the very life of Jesus, that he gave for us and also gave to us, we don't just do thankfulness. We are thankfulness. And no matter what happens, in everything we can give thanks because the peace of Christ can rule in our hearts. Because the message of Christ can dwell richly within us. So that in everything we do, whether in word or deed, we do it in the name of Jesus. And without Jesus, all of that is impossible. And so we are thankful. I like how Paul put this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is the amplified version. The more grace or divine favor and spiritual blessing extends to more and more people 
and multiplies through the many, the more thanksgiving may increase and rebound to the glory of God. See how it works? The more grace extends to more and more people and multiplies through the many, the more thanksgiving may increase to the glory of God. I like what John Dibdahl said in the Andrews University Study Bible in his little commentary there. He said this, living according to the new pattern leads to peace in the body of Christ, the church, and to inspiring times of worship. Paul clearly believes that the power of the risen Christ expressed in the lives of his people is more than a match for the power of evil. And in my words, and for this we become thankful. Scholar and biblical historian N.T. Wright inspired me with this idea. He said, imagine you had two cities living next to each other. You had two cities nearby. And if you were to read the previous verses here, you will read how Paul was saying that we need to take off our old self and put away certain behaviors and put in our new self and allow ourselves to be remade and be made new in the image of our Creator. And the things he asked us to put off are these things, and we're going to list them for you here. It's quite a horrible list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene talk. How would you like to take up residency there? How would you like to live in a city where that's all that happened? That's it. Now, some people in our world may go, hey, I'm moving. I'm going right there. But if you really think about it, Think about living in a city that had nothing but sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene talk. That's all that existed there. And then there was another city that had these things, which Paul says happens when we're in Christ. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other, forgiving one another as Christ forgives, love, the peace of Christ ruling in their hearts, the word of Christ dwelling richly within, living in the name of Christ, people who are full of thankfulness and gratitude. Now let's put the two cities next to each other so you can see them both. It's because of Jesus that we get to live in the city that we all want to live in. It's because of Jesus that we can experience compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness. I mean, you can read the list. That we don't have to live in the other city and for that, church, we are eternally grateful. And for that, we don't have to wait to heaven to be thankful all the time. But now, with heaven in us through Jesus Christ, we can be thankful. No matter what happens to the body, no matter what happens to us, biologically speaking, or the rest of us, we can be thankful. We don't have to do thankfulness, but we get to be thankful because we are in Christ. And T. Wright also said, a sense of astonished gratitude. I love that phrase. Astonished gratitude is very near the heart of authentic Christian experience. We can do thankfulness, but the good news is that Christ has provided a way that through his love and grace for us to be thankful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you've provided a life, a new way of being human, now and forevermore, 
that we don't have to live under the bondage and the control of evil and sin. But that through your grace and through your very presence in our life, we can grow in gentleness and humility and kindness and patience and all the wonderful things we long for. It's all because of you. And because you offer your peace to be made right with you and to know your peace, that, not the peace that the world gives, but the peace that you give that passes all understanding. And that we have you and your word that can dwell richly within us. And Lord, because of your grace, we will let these things happen. We become thankful people. Thankful for the rest of our lives all the way into eternity because, Lord, you truly are good all the time. Would you take a moment now in silent prayer to be thankful to Jesus this morning? To him who reigns above. 
As we go, may we go letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and letting his word dwell richly within us so that no matter what we do or say, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, being thankful. God bless you all. Amen.